For those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at Zion, and uh, I'm excited to be bringing the word today. Um, you know, if, if you are uh, new here, we welcome you. So glad that you, can, you came. Uh, if you do have kids and you want to be somewhere uh, where you can be a little bit more noisy during the service, we have a family room to the back to my left can go in there. We got a feed to the service going on in, in there if you need it. Um, but I'm excited to jump in the word. You know, one thing that I continually want to, I, I've been sharing the last two weeks and will continue to share, uh, is that we can't come into this space like normal as a church. Uh, because too often, as, as we have learned our church specifically over the last year and a half, uh, church is not a Sunday gathering. Church is a people that walk through life together on God's mission together. And so if our experience with church is just on a Sunday, then we are not truly experiencing church. To experience the body of Christ, to experience the church, that means that we need to walk through life together, to be obedient together to God, to live out mission together in our life. And the only way to do that is for the Sunday service, the Sunday gathering, to not be the thing that carries us in our church experience, but rather to be an anchor in our life, to anchor us in our values of community, of getting in scripture, of getting in prayer with one another so that we can do those things, be reminded of those things, and it will help us walk that out throughout the week together. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time today or you're fairly new, we are in a series called The Way of Jesus. Uh, today is the second to last week. Next week will be our last sermon in the series. And we have been walking through what did Jesus do in his life? And because of what he did, if, we are, if the, the point of Christianity is to be a little Christ, that's what the word Christian means, then how do we become a model of Jesus? The only way we can do that is we look at the life that Jesus lived and then we model our lives after that. And so today we're going to look at the topic of Sabbath, one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, I absolutely love Sabbathing. Um, and so we're going to read from Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to chapter 3, verse 6. You have it on your paper. You can, uh, I'm sorry, we're going just to verse 27. You have it on your paper. You can read along with me. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, him and his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath is not made for man, not, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Amen. I have to put my watch on here. I'll preach for about two hours. Um, so when I was in college, I was in an organization. I know uh, many of you 
uh, that are here are part of that as well, called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Any IV alum in here? We got some hands. I like it. Uh, Sabbath, when I, when I started learning about Sabbath was when I was in InterVarsity. We had uh, uh, one of our staff workers. Her name was Sophia. Sophia Gabriel. If you ever see this, Sophia, I'm sure your husband may. Shout out. Uh, Sophia was amazing. Sophia mentored me in so many different areas of my life with leadership. And one of the things that Sophia talked to me about constantly was this concept of Sabbath. Sabbath to me before college just meant that I need to go to church every single Sunday to a building, to a service. That's what Sabbath meant. But Sophia opened up my mind and my world really to this biblical understanding of what Sabbath truly is. And as a college student, practicing the Sabbath meant something that was absolutely crazy to me back then. Because if any college students here, I know there are many of you are, you just finished college, uh, college there's one thing that um, is pretty much off limits, and that is not studying on the weekends. And so as Sophia started to teach me about Sabbath and this idea of taking not just Sabbath being a time to go to your service or to be with the church on a Sunday morning, but Sabbath being a day of rest, I realized that the practical application of this was for me to stop studying on Saturdays, right? Sunday for me wasn't a true day of rest because back then I was serving on Sundays. I was in some type of ministry doing something. Uh, and so it wasn't a very restful time for me. So Saturday, I decided, okay, I'm going to practice this. Sophia told me all these grand things that would happen in my life if I would practice the Sabbath. And she be taught me the blessing of it. And so I started to do this uh, sophomore year. I stopped studying on Saturdays. Now I tell you, this was incredibly difficult for a recovering perfectionist. Uh, I'm recovering now. I was still a perfectionist back then. Um, and not studying on a whole 24-hour period, day of the week, just seemed absolutely crazy for me. Now, if you haven't been in college for a long time, don't worry, we'll get to some other application of what this looks like. But but being in college just seemed wild because everybody that I knew that was doing well in school was studying every single day. In fact, I remember the professors beating into us that for every hour of class that we had during the week, we had to do at least three hours of studying that week during the week. And, and I took that to heart. And so I was trying to do as much studying and and. You know, some of my professors weren't that great, which meant I had to read the textbook on my own, write my own notes, teach myself so that I can get a good grade in the class. Now, I started practicing Sabbath, thinking this was going to be a wild disaster for me. But what happened was my whole life started to come into focus around understanding of work and of rest. And... After the next three years of practicing Sabbath, I realized, this is it's not a brag, this is just a fact, I graduated top 5% of my class, and I'm telling you that because we always come in with an understanding that it is impossible to rest if we want to do well in life. And the, what Scripture teaches us, what God teaches us about rest is that it is impossible to do well in life if you do not rest. And that is what we are going to be 
talking about today. Today in my life, you know that if you text me on a Saturday, or if you email me on a Saturday, or if you call me on a Saturday, I will not respond to you, all right? My Sabbath, my time of rest means because I'm an introvert, I take a break from all of my friends. I take a break from my phone. I take a break from my computer. I take a break from my work email. None of that gets answered. None of that is called upon. I don't do any of that. So as an adult, it looks different from Friday night you know, in case you've ever texted me in this time period and I didn't get back to you, I'm sorry, ahead of time. If you do it in the future, now you know. From Friday night to Saturday night, I will never text you back. I won't call you back. I will pretend like the world does not exist. And it is the most glorious time of my week. But this is not the norm in today's society. This is not the norm in our world. We are a people who never stop Moving, We are always on the move. The, the move. the more busy we are, the more we praise each other. We wear busyness like a badge of honor on each other. People, when people say to each other, man, you are just so busy. You got so much going on. There's just so much happening in your life. We take that as a, we feel like we are giving that person a compliment. We are saying, wow, you are really doing something. That is the American way of saying, good job, my good and faithful servant. You are working yourself into the grave. You are a true American. You are doing it right. I want to be like you. Whenever somebody tells me that, Justin, you have a busy life, usually they just see my kids and just, then they feel sorry for me. Um, But... There's something in me that cringes every time somebody says you live a busy life because I realize what a busy life has done to me and will do to us if we continue it. Elon Musk, he's American, the American sweetheart right now that we cannot get enough of in the news. He said this, no one ever changed the world on a 40-hour work week. He said you need to work 80 to 100 hours a week to change the world. When asked how much people should work, he said it varies per person, and so he gave a minimum and a maximum. He said it varies per person, but about 80 sustained hours is your minimum, and peaking above 100 hours at times. Pain level increases exponentially above 80. To give perspective on what just... uh, a little bit more than an 80 hour work week is, that is working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, that gets you to 84 hours. Here is what Elon Musk, one of the the most hyped businessmen in the world, uh, is telling all of the workforce that this is the life that you need to live. And that only gets you to 84 hours. He is saying that there are many times you will peak above 100 and that, that my friends, he says, is truly living. That is truly changing the world. The thing most people won't tell you after they quote Elon Musk, when maybe your boss or your friends that want to motivate you to do well, or you're going through Twitter, you're looking at his stock price, which may not invigorate you anymore since he's been on the decline, but still higher than any of our businesses' stock price. Uh, We will look at that And we would say, wow, he is doing it right. He's got it all together. I want to be like him. 
And that's the problem with social media. That's the problem with these snippets into people's life when we don't truly look at what's behind the surface. What we won't know and what some of us have never heard is that Elon himself has been divorced three times. Three times. He's in his early 50s and he already has this trajectory in his life. If you look at his life, one reporter described it as a trail of dead bodies behind him. And this in our culture is what we celebrate, as what we should look towards, as what we should be doing, as what we should emulate, what we should model in our lives. This is what we say is truly living the American dream, rich, famous, and broken. This is the thing that we strive for. Some of us may even think working that much is crazy. And so this is not completely relatable to you. But I would put this before you is that most of us, even though when we put those numbers out there, working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, I would never do that at my job. But most of us are working seven days a week. Just many times we don't call it work. From work in our job, yes, then you have work around the house, then you have work for the family. It never ends. Sometimes it feels like we are just hamsters in that wheel, spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And where are we going? At the end of the week, we look back at what we have done, and it feels like we have accomplished nothing because all we see in front of us is an endless stream of more things to do. More things to accomplish. Shopping, cleaning, cooking, working out. It's never-ending loop that never gives us a moment to stop, to process and enjoy the world, the good world that we live in and that God created. See, many times we forget about the very beginning of the book, of the Bible, When we look at how to order our week, when we look at how to order our world, we forget something that God put in from the very first week we see in Scripture. At the very beginning, we see that God does this beautiful thing. He spends six days creating, working creating the heavens and the earth. He creates functions. He creates order. He creates humans, animals, time. All of it comes into focus. And then at the very end, we get this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So he blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Several things I want you to see here that we see right from the very beginning of scripture. Our infinite God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, who has no beginning and no end, who literally, when we have to describe his power, who he is, the only thing that we can use to describe him that was somewhat somewhat comprehensible for us is infinite. Our infinite God with all power rested. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
God who we worship, who we know can solve every single one of our problems, who anything that we are going through is not big enough for him, rested. Who has more responsibility than any of us could ever imagine, who has more on his mind, on his plate, in his life, things to do, rested. He rested, it says, from all work, not from some of his work, not from a portion of his work, but he rested from all of his work. And then what did he do? He blessed the Sabbath so that entering into God's rest is a form of entering into God's blessing. Many of us wonder, how do I enter into the blessing of God? Well, look at the things that God has blessed and enter into those things because that is entering into his blessing. And the last thing he did, he made the Sabbath holy. He said that word holy is set apart. He said this day will be set apart from the rest. It will be holy. That same word holy is used to describe the saints in scripture, that we are holy, we are set apart. And when we talk about how God is holy, 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 when we sang that song, speaking of the holiness of God, and many of us strive and wonder, how do I enter into the holiness of God? How do I become holy? Enter into his rest. We see God reaffirm this over and over again in Israel and in his people in scripture. But maybe the most significant reaffirmation is actually in the Ten Commandments. We see the fourth commandment is right here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is with you in your gates. For on the sixth, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We see every single one of those points in Genesis 2, again here reaffirmed in Exodus chapter 20 in the fourth commandment. That it is rest from all work. We see its blessing and we see its holiness. That this is the Sabbath. Right? When you think of this, this was so important in Jewish communities that they actually take this way too far. We see in the text that we just read in Mark chapter 2 that the disciples, all they were doing here was they were picking out some food so that they can eat. And the Pharisees come to them and say, yo, God, Jesus, what are your disciples doing? Don't you all know that this is against the law? That your people are doing what they shouldn't be doing? And of course, Jesus, as he always does, schools them. He's like, don't you remember David? He ate, and he ate in a way unholier way by your standards than my disciples are eating right now. But an even better example is if you've ever been to Borough Park on a Saturday. I have a lot of friends who grew up in Borough Park, uh, because it, one of the things I love about Brooklyn is you got the Latino community in Sunset Park and the first few avenues, then you got the Chinese community on 8th Avenue, 7th Avenue, and then you got the Hasidic community right after that. So if you've ever been in Borough Park where the Hasidic community is on a Saturday, 
First of all, it's one of the freakiest things you'll ever see in your life because it looks like I am legend. Like the rapture happened, something happened where everybody is just gone. There's no cars on the road, just eerily silent. Um, and it is because the Hasidic community takes their Sabbath very, very, very seriously to the point that if you've ever walked in Borough Park on a, on a Saturday, uh, and I always find somebody that this has happened to, I hear countless stories, but if you ever walk in some residential areas, you will find somebody at their door saying, excuse me, excuse me. And you're like, hello? And they'll, they'll tell you to come over to their door and be like, what's up? They're like, can you turn off this light for me? And you're just like, what in the world is going on right now? I've had friends offered bottles of wine, food, fruit, all the things that you can think of just to one person went in the person's house uh, and said they, they were asked to turn off that person's stove. I'm just thinking like, how would you turn on the stove, first of all? And then you're just waiting for a random person to walk by to turn the stove off. This does not seem safe. But there is a strict rule policy. You do not do work. And if you ever walk by, do it, go to Borough Park, see how seriously they take it on a Saturday, you will be called to turn off lights, turn off stoves, help out with something, move some laundry, whatever it is, because they know that this is the law. But the thing is, this is the law gone too far. This is the law that has become legalism rather than blessing and freedom. This is the law that has gone beyond faith and righteousness into self-righteousness. And so here comes Jesus, and as he does with so much of the law, he brings correction so that we can understand what it was truly meant for. He says these words that have profoundly impacted my life in Mark chapter 2, an understanding of the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath became so ritualistic that it was a burden on the people instead of rest for the people. It was all these things that you now had to do on the Sabbath, this this weight that you carried with you on what was supposed to be a day of rest and enjoyment and blessing now became one of the hardest days of the week. God's original intent for the Sabbath was distorted. So Jesus turns their understanding of the Sabbath on its head, restoring its original intent here, a time of blessing through rest. And as the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus adds one extra thing here that as you read the Gospels becomes very clear what the Sabbath also is a time of. I, I encourage you to go home and Google search Sabbath scriptures in New Testament because what you will find is dozens of verses of where the Sabbath word is and, what, and, and ask yourself, what is Jesus doing in every single one of these verses? He is healing he is healing the sick. And so not only does Sabbath become a time of rest, not only is it a time entering into the holiness of God, not only is it a day that we put away all of our work, but we see Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath adds, it is a time to become whole. It is a time to be restored. It is a time to be healed. 
Our understanding of practicing the Sabbath should then be rest from all work as a way to live holy and whole in God's abundant blessing. Rest from all work as a way to live holy and whole in God's abundant blessing. See, when you say this, oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, Justin, you just don't know my schedule. I just, I gotta do some stuff today. When you say, I have, I have all these really important things. This is, this is priority five. Like this is as high as it gets. I gotta do everything. What you are really saying is you are putting yourself above God. You are saying this to God. What you are really saying is you are saying my ways of life are God above your ways of life. My wisdom and my understanding, God, is above your wisdom and your understanding. You are saying I know best for what is good for my life that God truly doesn't understand what it means to be human, to have responsibility, and to have things to do. See, the more excuses we begin to make, the more we are saying inherently that God truly not only does not understand us, but doesn't know what's best for us. We are then elevating ourselves and putting ourselves in the place of God. Sitting on the throne room of our own heart, we may say, Lord, in heaven with our words and in our worship, but we are saying, I am Lord of this life with my actions and with my deeds. What I've found is that in that, when we do that, you are most likely walking through life sick, wondering, when will you be healed? But you have never stopped to rest in him, the one who can truly make you whole. We are constantly weighed down asking God, when will you take away this anxiety? When will you take away this depression? When will you help me with this burden? It says that your burden is light. The weight is easy. The yoke is easy, God. When will I experience that? I feel crushed. But yet the very thing that God offers us to experience his light burden, to experience his easy yoke, we shun because we say that is not feasible. When we enter into Sabbath, I love Rich Velotis, a local pastor, he put it this way recently. I saw all this Sabbath posting this week and I thought this is great. He said, Sabbath keeping at its core is a profession of faith. In observing it, we confess, I am not what I do, the world will not stop if I cease from my work, and Christ is holding all things together. The invitation that God gives us that I said is in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you live a life without Sabbath, you are running on fumes. Burned out on work, 
on your to-do list, trying to hold it all together by the work of your own hands, by the strength that you hold within yourself, pretending to be like Jesus in your life, keeping it all together. When God said, that is my job, that is not yours. In Colossians 1, it says that all things are made through him, by him, and for him. That by him all things hold together. Is it by Clark that all things hold together? No. Is it by Stephanie that all things hold together? No. Is it by Justin that all things hold together? No. It will never be. And when I enter into Sabbath, I am saying and proclaiming in my own life the gospel truth that only you can save me, Lord. Only in you can I be made whole. Only in you can I find true rest. Only in you can I truly enter into the blessing. In the place of running on fumes and saying, I can do it all myself and saying that, I, I, you don't understand, Lord, my schedule. I just, I need to do this. I need to do that. This is what will happen in that place we are most susceptible to temptation from the enemy. In that place, the enemy becomes great in our ear and in our heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, 11, it says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We should not think of our life as a five-day work week and a two-day weekend. Because that makes us fall into this trap of I have five days to do a job and I have two days to get my house chores and other chores done during the weekend. Instead, what we have to do is we have to think of our life and order it the way Scripture does, that we have six days to work. Some of that work is at my job, some of that work is at my home. Some of that work is for my family. And then I have one day, whatever it is, one day that I have a hard day off. I do not do work. On this day, I rest. I will not do house chores. I will not change diapers, Heather. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> That's an easy way to get slapped on a Saturday for me. <laughs> there are six days that God has given us to work. And there is one day of rest. And guess what? If I cannot take that day of rest, if my life starts falling apart, then that is a clear invitation from God that you are living beyond your capacity limits in your life. There are, there, there are things in your life that you need to lay down and say, this is Jesus' responsibility and not my responsibility. There may be something at work that is saying, this is unordering my life, and so I cannot do this anymore. Because in my life, there is a standard that I live by. It is a standard that God has given us that six days I will work and one day I will rest. And in that day of rest, from there, I will be able to continue and renew work every single week. From there, I will be healed and restored to continue to do what God has called me to do, to care for my family, to work at my job, to provide, to do the things I need to do at my house. From there... I work from a place of blessing and joy and not a place of discouragement and burnout. 
from there, I work from a place of wholeness and holiness, not from a place of brokenness and temptation and sin. See, the weeks that I have some excuse not to Sabbath are the weeks I struggle the most with temptations, are the weeks that I am giving ear to things that I have not given ear to in a long time, are the weeks where the voice of the enemy sounds greatest in my life than the voice of Jesus. And it is because I have started my week by saying, God, my priorities are greater than the priorities you have given me. We need to realize that the Sabbath discipline is not a law requirement to fulfill, but a blessing to enjoy. A lot of us, when we think of what God tells us to do, when we think of the things that Christ tells us to do, we, we think of these burdens and the, oh, I'm not going to be able to have fun anymore. I'm not going to enjoy life anymore. And that is the biggest lie. There are so many amazing things that God has created for us to enjoy if we enjoy in the way that he's told us to enjoy. One author put it this way, that his Sabbath is, he calls it pleasure stacking, where it's joy on top of joy on top of joy on top of joy. In our house, what that looks like for my family is the boys who are old enough, they know Friday night and Saturday is the best day of the, work, of, of the week. They know daddy's not working. That means we play video games together. We worship together. We pray together. We read together. We hang out together. You see, the thing about raising kids and what's so great is you just teach them to enjoy the things that you enjoy. They don't know any better yet. So on Saturdays, they love watching a movie with me. They love playing board games with me. They love hanging out in the house with me in some nice AC. They love to do those things. When they're teenagers, they can figure out what they want to do for Sabbath. But until then, me and Heather, this is what we love to do on Sabbath. This is a blessing to enjoy. This is the, the God who said he wants us to live with joy every single day. That he has true joy to give us. And the things he calls us to do help us to walk in that joy, to walk in that blessing. And so if joy is missing from your life, I encourage you is to ask, is Sabbath missing from my life? Entering into the blessing of God could be as amazing as entering into the Sabbath rest of God. Where you can be made whole. Many of us have been looking for rest and for healing. And we have been looking for it in our own strength. We have been scrolling through Instagram looking, what is the latest post that I can find that will give me my pick-me-up for the day, that may motivate me to conquer another day and another time, that will help me live through. We are, we are every day getting out of bed wondering, how am I going to hold it together today? The invitation from Jesus is, you can't hold it all together. You can't be made whole in your own strength. You cannot possibly walk through life in joy when you're trying to do it all on your own. But come to me and I will give you rest. 
You can lay down work for one day knowing that in Christ he has done all of the work that needs to be done here on earth. And in that day, I rest in the enjoyment of the work of Jesus. And in that day, I am renewed every week to enter into his rest so that from rest, I can walk into another week of work, not dreading that week, not dreading another Monday, not dreading another beginning to what is going to happen, but realizing, God, thank you for invigorating me more to do what you have called me to do to being on mission with my family, to being on mission at my job, to being on mission with my friends, whatever it is, thank you, God. Because from your rest, I am made whole. Jesus did the work. Let us enter into it, receive it, enjoy it. Sabbath, is one of the greatest blessings over the last decade and a half of my life that I've enjoyed almost every single week. And every single week when I practice it, I remind myself this is a blessing from God that he has given me to enjoy. And in it, I am blessed by him, and in it, I am made whole by him, and in it, I am made holy by him. Can you stand and join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for that invitation that you made in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We thank you that the invitation to the Sabbath is an invitation to you for rest, to come to you every single week and say, God, I am unworthy. God, I am heavy of heart. God, there is too much to do. But I am reminded this week to lay it all at your feet to receive your blessing and your rest. As we get into the next song and we worship, we're gonna have a few leaders over by the side if you want prayer. I'm going to invite you, uh, as we worship, at any moment during worship, you can come and, and, and receive prayer. If you're listening online with us, just let our host, Winnie, know that you want prayer, and we'll make sure someone calls you during the week. But allow this moment, this time, to start asking yourself the question, have I entered into the rest of the Lord? And if you haven't, if you haven't enjoyed the blessing, ask God. What are you inviting me to lay down in my life today that I may put it in your hands and walk in your blessing and in your wholeness?